Training camp time means it's time to be hopeful for Syracuse football fans. That's right, the best time of the year because they haven't lost yet. And right now, Bones and Brad talking about the Syracuse defense. What should be on your wish list for training camp season? All that and more on Locked On Syracuse. Let's do it. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Locked On Syracuse. I'm Brad Klein. He's Matt Bonaparte. We are very, very happy to be with you putting a lid on the training camp wish list. We talked about the offense yesterday. Go check it out. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking about the defense today. And this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Bones, the offense was fun. The defense will be even better. And the reason is because this team, yeah, the run game is going to be important. But I think that how successful this team is, is going to be contingent on the defense. Yes. And before we get into it, I do just want to say people uh, were probably clicking on this episode wishing it was a JP Estrella interview because I've been hyping it up all week. We had to change uh, scheduling up a little bit. We should have it for you on Monday. So look out for that. Uh, at the end of the weekend so sorry for the confusion there but he's a busy guy we're getting him after his Syracuse visit so there's going to be a lot to talk about uh, so stay tuned for that but yes this defense uh, pretty pretty huge and Owen and I were talking about it Brad when we did the what's more likely Syracuse football edition so I'll fill you in on that but Syracuse's defense last year ranked 65th in the nation. It was yep. fantastic. And that was the same ranking they had uh, in 2018 when SU went to a bowl game and won 10 games with Eric Dungy at the helm. Uh, the highest under Babers tied with that 2018 season. Do I think they're going to do that again? I don't. Um, but I still think they're going to have a strong defense because there's a lot of talent here and a lot of returning talent, which I think is the big thing. You've got leaders on this defense that came back. Mike Hill Jones kind of paramount in that discussion as he had a decision at the end of last season to make, and he made it to come back. And I asked him about it at the ACC kickoff, and he said it's best for my team and it's best for me. Uh, so he wants to come back and win. Yeah, so we're excited. Let's talk about the wish list here. We'll go position by position, and we might even even go more micro at, at certain points. Let's talk about Michael Jones specifically, and then we'll go more macro into the linebackers. Michael Jones is the returning player, quarterback of the defense, according to head coach Dino Babers. So what are you looking for from Jones? Because if you look at him right now and you see his tape and you see what he's done at the collegiate level, you might be thinking, hold on, why is he playing on Saturdays? He should be playing on Sunday. So what is there really for you to see from Jones in training camp? I start with you. I don't know if it's more of what you're going to see from Jones's play. I mean, from Jones, I want the exact same. I mean, this is a guy yeah. who has great coverage ability, but also has a really great ability to get into the backfield. We saw a lot more of the pass rush and run stopping capability last year than we did uh, in the, the the ability to stop the pass, which is what we saw in 2020 when he had four picks uh, and one pass defended last year, zero picks, zero passes defended, but we saw 12 tackles for loss, three of which were sacks. Uh, so from Michael, 
I just want to see more of the same. But what I need him to do and what the team needs him to do is go out there and make the younger guys who might have less experience comfortable playing in this defense and raise them up to where this team needs them to be. Namely, that's the defensive line. You're talking about Steve Linton, Terry Lockett, and Caleb Okachekwu. Those guys are stepping into roles uh, that they certainly did not have last season, pretty much the only guys on this defense who are doing that. So Mike Cal, even though he doesn't play the same position, needs to go to those three guys and kind of explain to them, hey, guys, you're – wildly important to this defense. Maybe yeah. people aren't talking about you coming into the season all that much, but you're just as poor, as important as I am. Uh, and that's exactly what Mike Kell needs to go out there uh, and make sure that they're ready to go. So what I'm hearing from you, from Mike Kelly Jones specifically, is, well, you want him to be a leader, which not to say that he hasn't been. In fact, he's been an unbelievable leader. I began with saying that he's the quarterback of the defense, not according to me, according to Dino Baber. So we're not the only people that think so. And all I've heard around the locker room, at least especially last year, is positivity out of Mike Kelly Jones, that he's really stepped up into that role. And he's also been that mature presence in the locker room, in the linebacker room for pretty much the entire time. He was that upperclassman type when he was a freshman. So we love that out of Mike Kelly Jones. I think the only thing, if you wanted to be greedy from Mike Kelly Jones, the only thing is probably turnovers, right? There, there was a time when he was one of the best ball takers in the country, and it didn't happen last year. And you can't really just look at turnovers, especially interceptions, for a linebacker of his position, of his caliber, and say, well, uh, he had a bad year because he didn't have interceptions. No, that's not what he's all about. But he did have this weird innate ability in 2020, the COVID year, to just get the ball, just sniff it out, pick it off, fumble recovery, what have you. It would be nice if that happened again, just because it completely changes the game, not just the defense, and especially in 2020, that COVID year, the offense needed that boost that they got so often because of the defense. So that's important too. He was responsible for six turnovers on his own. I mean, that's that's something else. Um, Especially, and and Michael Jones is making the, the same amount of tackles too. It's not like he's taking a backseat in any department and picking it up with these weird breadbasket turnovers, interceptions on a slant that shouldn't be thrown. No, he was actually forcing these turnovers and they were legit. So I know he's capable of it. He doesn't have to do it for the defense to be successful. Exhibit A last year, but it'd be nice. That's the only thing I can think of out of an otherwise, let's face it, perfect collegiate player and all ACC talent, and you got to love Michael Jones. Before we hit a break, let's talk about the linebacker position as a whole. Outside of Jones, and there's really not much to really nitpick because Stephon Thompson, Marlo Wax, they've both been incredible as well, maybe cast in the shadow of Michael Jones a little bit. But what are you looking for out of the linebacker room as a whole in your training camp wish list? Well, I mean, these are three guys who just – absolutely did their jobs last season, right? I mean, there's really no ifs, ands, or buts about that. They led Those three guys led the team uh, in tackles one, two, or three. Jones, Thompson, Wax, in that order. They accounted for nearly 250 of the team's tackles. So it's not like any of them are lacking in any sort. If there's a running play, Syracuse's uh, defense is probably going to be made up of those three guys on the stop. Um, you're going to see one of the, those three numbers and names uh, in on the play because they're just they're ball hawks and their job is to stop the run and that's exactly what they do. Um, 
I mean, it's hard to ask more of players that do their job so yeah. well. Yeah. And if you're talking about Wax and Thompson, it's it's really tough. I mean, those are two guys who accounted for 16 and a half sacks or 16 and a half tackles for loss between them, 11 and a half sacks. I mean, they were fantastic. So, okay. Pretty so much. Really good. They were yeah, really I mean, I honestly, I think in I will say this, though, in the last episode, we were talking about the offensive wish list for training camp and ahead of training camp in training camp. What do you need to see if you're Dino Babers? And a lot of what we talked about, no surprise, was depth, especially with a position like the running back position totally taken care of with Sean Tucker. Well, the linebackers, you can almost feel as confident in, if not more confident because of shot because of Michael Jones, Marlo Wax, Stefan Thompson. But after them, what do you have? And, and to me, the number one thing for the linebackers, and maybe this is trickling into another position, but it's the 3-3-5. It's pretty fluid, so don't sue me. But we talked to Steve Linton's high school coach, and he talked a lot about weight. And weight was not being applied at the rate that he wanted to see from Linton, and honestly, the rate that Linton wanted to see for himself. And with that, Linton is probably a stand-up guy. He's not going to go down in his three-point stance. He's probably not a fit for him in his redshirt sophomore year. He's just not big enough, which makes him his most effective. He's 219 pounds. I'm looking at it now. Makes not him at his most effective. Probably an outside linebacker type, a third down guy. If you want to you know, give Marlo Wax, Stephon Thompson, some rest. It's probably Steve Linton. So that's the number one thing for me. In training camp, that question needs to be answered. What is Linton's role? Because it's time for him to contribute. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, that also needs to be answered because if the answer is that he's going to be a linebacker type, like you say, Syracuse in the three three five, you're still going to have three down linemen. And who is that guy going to be if it's not Steve Linton? Because, you know, the dude shredded, but like when you're 219, it's kind of hard to go up against guys who are nearly 300 pounds on the other side of the ball. Uh, and Syracuse is hoping that they maybe get that nose tackle kind of player, maybe out of Terry Lockett, who's a lot closer to, to 300 pounds than uh, Linton is because Lockett, what is 270? Yeah, 270, 6'3, 270. Uh, but, you know, there's other guys who are on that line who we've heard the names of before. Maybe some who haven't. There's a lot of redshirt freshmen. I mean, you got a guy like Garth Barclay who's six seven two seventy seven. Why don't we see some him get a shot at it? He, uh, he Josh Huff, who we've known too as well. Yeah, what'd you say? He'd be a lot of fun. And we're gonna put that position group under the microscope in a second. But let's take a moment and talk about Bet Online because they are doing outstanding stuff for me. It's not betting. I keep on telling my friends and my family that it's not betting. It's investing because betonline.net, the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, investing needs, find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. I'm in the know. It's a low risk because I'm in the know. I know what I'm talking about. You can find the reviews and the news of every league, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline is where the game starts. Yes, it is, Brad. Uh, 
Keep I love bet those decents. I love it. Do you really? How much do you bet on bet online? Well, I'm not going to disclose that information. There are certain people listening that might be, you know, a little disappointed with my answer, but I will tell you I'm in the green, which is the most important thing. I'm not kidding. I'm not, I don't call it betting. I call it I've invested in the Mets today. I I'm investing in them. That's what's happening. <laughs> so, that's uh that's my mindset. And and if you have an, if you have a different mindset, then you're probably betting on the Braves. That's that's probably what's happening. So, I don't I don't I mean so it's interesting you say investing when you're doing it, but when I do it, it's betting. <laughs> well, are you? Right. I see how it is. I, okay. I don't do it. Hop on bet online, and it won't be a won't be a loss. It's an investment right there. All right, let's talk about the defensive line because yeah, we start trickling into that gray area of linebacker versus defensive lineman. Steve Linton, and where does he fit into the three three five? Typically, versatility gray area that's where tony white system shines but right now i feel like linton is caught in purgatory here at only 219 pounds is he an outside linebacker or is he a down lineman we don't really know but the question is if he goes outside linebacker which is probably where he's best probably not where the team needs him most but probably where he's best if he goes there and stands up you have caleb okacheku who you're pretty confident in terry lockett who i'm very confident in and after that Good luck. So my question Jatias is, Gear. who's your guy? Is it Jatias Gear? Okay. Good luck. Congrats. I I guess, right? I, right? No, the, real, the real answer I have for you is I have no idea. And they're going to yeah. have to prove it to me. So, I mean, I this is probably the biggest point of contention and the, the biggest thing I'm going to be looking at. Week one, in terms of a defensive possession, like where is Steve Linton? Find him on the field and tell me what he's doing. How is he going to fit in? I have no idea, but I guess we'll find out. Um, and, and look, maybe Dino Babers has more confidence in Linton as a down lineman than we do and that his high school coach How does. could he, dude? He's 219 pounds. He's not going up against the left tackles. He's not. For the sake of argument that Steve Linton is physically incapable of playing the position that he's been recruited to play, which is what we believe is to be the case. If that's true. And it's not and his fault. It's a complete failure on the part of the program. And B, it's a complete failure on the part of Dino Babers because he should have seen this coming months ago, if not a year ago, if not more than that. Hit the transfer portal. Get someone in here who can play right away because it is embarrassing to have this gaping yeah. hole in your otherwise really good defense, and it's a problem. If if it's going to be filled by anyone, it's either be Jatias Greer or Elijah Fuentes Cundiff both redshirt freshmen, and I tell you, good luck. I don't want any part of that if I'm Dino Babers. All right. Well, uh, maybe we see Chris Elmore back there. Who knows? Oh, um, <laughs> hey, he's 286 pounds. You know it's a rhino, baby. Why not? Why not? Give Max Nang <laughs> some more run. That's your boy, right? That's your boy. Max. Uh, all right. Let's go over to the defensive backs. Sure. Um, a position group that Syracuse has – kind of reveled in because they're a little bit of DBU out here uh, sitting three backs to the NFL just a couple years ago. Trill Williams, Andre Sisko, Ifatu, Melifon, Wu. Uh, now you've Obi got playing in the USFL this year. How's that? Obi? Yeah. Wasn't he on the Dolphins? He was in the USFL this summer. That's all I can tell you. I can't tell you which uh-huh. team off the top of my head. UConn alum. Yeah, UConn alum. There you go. Um, boo UConn. Um, this is a defensive back group that has some experience under its belt now. 
Garrett Williams has been here for a little while now. He's a redshirt sophomore, but I mean, he's been here. Was this is his like third season, right? Well, if he's a fourth season, Richard, yeah, but like when he was a freshman, he had been here. Yeah, COVID. Okay. Yeah, stepped, yeah, I don't know. It, it was interesting. Here, I think um, he's right. been here for a while. That's all I can tell you. Uh, and Deuce Chestnut also second season. The guys you know who's been here forever, Eric Coley. <laughs> Where's uh, Antoine Cordy? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Eric Coley has here been here for a minute. But, okay, here's what I want to see from the defensive backing core. Right. I am pleading for Amon Greenwood to prove me wrong. <laughs> Last year, if you go rewatch any of those games, watch Amon Greenwood every single time. Guy gets burned like your dad left the toaster on every freaking morning, okay? <laughs> Amon Greenwood needs to step it up and I want him to come out prove me wrong. I want him to just be have a dartboard of my head in his room just to try and prove me wrong. Locking up guys in practice. Amon, you got to go out there and prove to me that you are one of the more dominant players in this room because if not, there are guys who are going to take your job. Jeremiah Wilson's right there. Malcolm Folk is right there, okay? These are all Eric Coley's right there for yep. goodness sake. Okay? Justin Barron uh, Jason Simmons, they're better than you. Neil Nunn's better than you. Okay, Amon, come out and show me you deserve to play. So I have a question before I actually talk about football. Just out of curiosity, because anyone that sure knows man. Bones knows that he is a stern supporter of the program and a, a stern supporter of the student-athletes. So he says this in the most endearing way. But you've had an open gripe with Amon Greenwood for a very, very, very long time. I want him to be good. I know you do. Not. That's what I'm saying. You really are rooting for him, but he's not very good, right, in your eyes. Player who you feel that way about the most, Amon Greenwood. I know or, you're going to say. Go ahead and fill in the blank. Barama Sidibe. Barama Sidibe. Who drives you crazier? And obviously, Barama is no longer with Syracuse basketball, but these you're are two. Going. Like, it, Bones doesn't have the angel on his shoulder. He has two devils. One is named Amon, <laughs> and the other is Barama. That's what Okay, let me say this about Barama real quick. We're going such a tangent here. That's okay. Barama, I love. I mean, he is a fan favorite. I love Barama Sidibe. He is a great guy. He's a fantastic human being, and I think he's awesome. And I want to see him play for Bayheim's Army. I want him. When he says he's a great guy, that's how you know he's about to shred him. (laughs) He's a great guy. (laughs) But Barama Sidibe might as well have the nickname Foul Machine. Okay, this guy is is arguably I mean, he is so bad, like in the season, in the season where Marek Dolezal played center all year, I got flack. Okay, I got a lot of flack. Hold on. Hold on, Brad. I got a lot of flack for saying that even if Barama came back, I would prefer Marek to play center over a hobbled Barama Sidibe. Yeah. And people were like, you're an idiot. And then Barama came back against Clemson, played 11 minutes, and fouled out. Okay? <laughs> what What is he providing that is so great? Dignify that with a response. Just answer the question. Player you feel that way about the most, Amon Greenwood or Barama Sadibe? I think it's Barama for you, but I don't It know. is Barama. Okay. I love Smurf, Barama, though. Smurf Greenwood is in the clear because Barama can be a scapegoat. I guess that's not really the case because Barama is no longer and on the hill. I'm just going to so say, to fact checkers who are going to go out in the game logs and say he didn't foul out of that game against Clemson, it's correct. He only had four fouls, but 
they called a foul on somebody else that should have been Barama's, like right at the end. So Barama, he should have fouled out. I would not be the guy who went out to try and fact check Bones on Barama. Oh, I know our audience. People would. Well, I know the audience. They're they're very passionate and they like to keep us in check, which I love. Which I I respect. But if there's anyone that knows their Barama slander best, it's Matt Uh, So you can't be saying slander. I love Barama. I just don't think he's very good at basketball. Constructive criticism, we'll call it. Sure. But Amon Greenwood, I, I, he still got a chance to get back out of my doghouse because I want him to play well. I, this is my call to you, Amon. Play well, my king. Okay. I like that. I, I like that. I think Amon Greenwood being uh, a little bit more reliable would just completely change the whole outlook of this position group. I think that a guy like Justin Barron or Jason Simmons, one of the two, two safeties, uber-athletic, if they're able to figure it out a little bit more, I'm, I'm really rooting for Jason Simmons here um, because I happen to really like him. I, that's just one of my one of my guys, just for whatever reason. Jason Simmons, really like his game, really like his potential, and right now he's going to be in a position battle three ways. It's going to be Rob Hanna, it's going to be Elijah Clark, the transfer from Rutgers for that free safety position, and I think that Jason Simmons has the highest potential of those three. So if I'm Dino Babers, I have binoculars, a mono, mono vision, right, on just what is Jason Simmons doing? And how well is he doing it? And how often can he do it? Because if he can lock that position group down, if he can be your free safety, beat out Rob Hanna, beat out Elijah Clark, those are two guys with very, very large amounts of playing time at the D1 Power 5 level. That's no joke to win that spot. Jason Simmons, if he can be that center fielder, look out. Changes the defense. You know, I had class with him on once. He participated. <laughs> he didn't listen to a word I just said about Jason Simmons. It was just like, oh, my God, Amon Greenwood is living rent-free in my head. What is happening? Par- I just said he's a good student. He was. He participated. I was in a group work with him. He did his work. We got a good grade on the project. Work with him. Yes. Okay. Me and Amon talked, okay? So, so he covered he didn't know. He didn't know at the time bad. that I didn't think he was a very good football player, but he should know now that I'm rooting for him. Anyway, okay. you're right. You're right about Jason Simmons is a very good player. Uh, and he was he a guy who came from. He can take that step up, changes the defense completely. Amon Greenwood taking a step up is huge. Of course, oh, anyone boy. taking a step up is huge. But Greenwood taking a step up just reinforces still a pretty solid position group because Greenwood is playing behind Carter and Coley, both guys I have very, very high respect for and trust in. So if they are good, then you don't really need Greenwood. But Greenwood's an exciting guy because he's one of those true freshmen that got a lot of run in that COVID year just because of circumstance and injuries. So you're expecting a lot from him because he didn't embarrass himself that year, but he's actually maybe slightly regressed since, which is disappointing. But I hear you. I hear you on Amon Greenwood. But to your point about Simmons, good. Um a guy who transferred from New Mexico State, I believe for the sole purpose of he wanted to go to the NFL and he thinks that Syracuse is probably the best place to uh, to achieve that dream, and I don't think he's wrong. A guy like him could really flourish at SU, uh, and he saw those three guys go to the NFL and he said, I want to be one of them. Um, last season, he was he was decent. He got burned a couple times, but he had a pick. He didn't have a single pass defended, which wasn't great. He did force a fumble, and he made some good tackles, but he has a lot of room to improve. Uh, And I think that 
with everybody getting better, I mean, you have to assume that he's going to be making that jump. I mean, he is a junior this season. I think he's the most uh, other other than senior Isaiah Johnson, who does not play. Uh, Jason Simmons is the most senior guy in the position group. So, I mean, he's the same year as Garrett Williams, so not really, but like he's up there. He's one of the older guys in that room. So you're going to have to put some faith in him and and kind of if this defense is going to play as a unit so well, he's going to be a big trust factor and a point of, okay, I know Jason's got this play, so I don't have to worry about him blowing coverage kind of thing. Now, the other thing that we should really be looking at wish list for the training camp for the defense, that is, is that you have two transfer safeties, both from high-level programs. I mentioned Elijah Clark coming from Rutgers, and then the redshirt freshman transfer from Louisville, Braylon Oliver. You kind of need both of them to be good. You, you kind of do, right? And if, if Clark isn't that good, I mean, my guy is Jason Simmons. I'm not rooting for Clark to struggle and just so Jason Simmons plays I want Simmons to play better than Clark and just win the position outright because I think he has the highest potential but you brought both of them in and you didn't bring them to sit you brought them in because you actually think that you can you being Dino can upgrade those positions which are in pretty good spots without them again Jason Simmons is right there and Braylon Oliver right there and 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 without Oliver what are you looking at if you're Syracuse? You're Syracuse without Braylon Oliver as that redshirt trans redshirt freshman transfer from Louisville. After him, it would be Justin ba- Justin Barron, who's pretty good. Justin Barron's another guy, really good athlete, high ceiling. You kind of want to see more of Justin Barron, but Oliver's right there. So if he and Clark can win the job, then the defense is going to look a lot better. And it was really good last year too. Totally. Um, I honestly think this defense has a really good chance to be special just because you have so much returning talent. And like when that happens, like you have to capitalize on it. So if that three, three, five defense can kind of utilize everybody's, uh, talents to their fullest extent and, and the chemistry is there within the, the locker room, I think Syracuse's defense truly has a chance to be special and they can go out there and kind of have a season like they did last year or like they did in 2018 or even better uh, and make some really, really good plays because I don't necessarily think that the offense is going to be a huge problem just because you have such a talented back yeah, um, and you have a new offense coming in and there's a lot of hope there. The defense is the question mark. Um, and I think that they can be really good and Syracuse, potentially could have a decent season. Who knows? So, um, so we both agree then that the biggest question mark and the biggest thing top of the wish list is for this to work itself out in one way or another, Steve Linton to find a position, preferably as a down defensive end, but if not, as a productive standing outside linebacker. And to me, that's that's it. That's A1 for Syracuse, correct? Yes, uh, I think so. So I, I I know we're up against it, but here's my question. Let's say that Linton is a down defensive end, just out of necessity, right? And just to circle back to it, is it really the end of the world? We, we're not expecting him to be very good, but think about what Josh Black was last year, and he did not get into the backfield almost ever last season. And of course, Cody Roscoe did, got a lot of push next to Josh Black, but that was supposed to be Black's job, and he just didn't. And he wasn't getting double teamed either because Roscoe is getting double teamed. So we've seen Syracuse's defense have success at, at 
as a whole, as a unit, without production from that position before. Yeah. Um, sure. Like, I guess. But I, I don't know. I think that different year is a different year. Sure. Um, and they're going to they're gonna make something work. And, and you know the funny part about Syracuse football? At least last season was a good explanation of this. Obviously, 2020 was not the story, and neither was 2019. But I feel like a couple of times now, people have expected them to be so bad and they come out and play decent ball and you see some hope and they're not necessarily good the whole time, but you're like, they could be good. There's no reason they couldn't be. So I think that you should have some hope for, for week one against Louisville. I'm not going to say that they're going to go out there and trump the Cardinals, but they could be decent. They had a tough go of it last year. That was brutal. Was it 41 to three in Kentucky? 41, three. 41 to three. I was there. 30 nothing before that. Not fun at all. But the team got raisin canes after the game, and I was kind of jealous. So there's that. All right. That does it for this edition of Locked On Syracuse. Putting a cap on the week. Enjoy the weekend. Also, on Monday, make Locked On ACC your second listen. Of course, Locked On Syracuse will always be your first listen, and hopefully for good reason on Monday with, fingers crossed, J.P. Estrella interview coming on Monday. But even if it doesn't happen, we're going to have great Syracuse content for you on Monday, but we're promising it on Monday. Tentatively, it's going to happen. Locked On ACC with Candace Cooper, though, giving you all the news and analysis around the conference that you need to really get a grasp on where Syracuse stands in the league. Locked On ACC with Candace Cooper across the ACC in 30 minutes every day. It's your second listen every day. That's Locked On ACC. Bones and Brad back on Monday. Until then, have a safe and fun weekend.